strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, happy Wednesday. Thanks for being here. Coming up just after just after this segment, we're talking about the border. We're going to talk about uh, Officer Maldivan and uh, uh, the update on this officer that was so seriously wounded the uh, last night, or I should say early yesterday morning. We're going to get to that in a moment. Uh, this one caught my eye. Some people that write headlines just know what they're doing. Tucson border agents stop a hearse being used to smuggle in six migrants. They had six people in the back of a hearse. Um, so the border issue uh, continues. This, again, on my my continuing conversation with everyone about policy and how the political divide in America is based on assumptions that are so far from true across the political spectrum. Um, you know, you are anti-vax or you're anti-mandate, so you're anti-vax. I've had three shots of the vaccine. I'm not anti-vax. I just don't think you can tell people what to do, nor should you. And I don't think there's any reason for it. So you may not agree with me, but I'm not anti-vax. You are in favor of border control. And so therefore you're xenophobic and you hate immigrants. And that political stance is ridiculous. It's absolutely foolish. I live in a border state. I grew up in a state where I I worked with people that were in this country illegally at a time when nobody cared. The political divide in America has changed. And what I mean by that is in the not too distant past, President Bill Clinton, and you can look this up, and I almost did today, but it would have been a lot of time to just bring something out that a lot of people already know but have forgotten Uh, During a State of the Union address, Bill Clinton was one of the most adamant supporters of border control and demanded more money from Congress to expedite the deportation of illegal aliens in America. That's back when they called them illegal aliens. Um, uh, It was Chuck Schumer who had, I think, a six or a nine point plan to end illegal immigration. And one of the things was calling them undocumented. And he said, if we call them, and I'm paraphrasing a little, if we use the phrase undocumented, it shows Americans that we are not serious about this. If you think it's illegal, you should say it's illegal. And he went on to say, I believe it's illegal and it's wrong. So he called them illegal aliens. He wouldn't use the phrase undocumented. Chuck Schumer is now the leader in the Senate. He's still there. We're not going back 100 years. So there was a time when the most adamant open borders people, because it's politically expedient for them, made the biggest cases for border control. I will tell you that mine is is founded in humanity. Uh, I've seen the human plight. I've seen how disastrous it is for these people that are crossing the border. There is nothing humane about what's happening. It wasn't humane during the Obama administration either. By incentivizing illegality, you put people in a very bad place. And um, it is interesting to see what happened. I want you to hear... uh, um, I'm with Jim and Jamie on Arizona's Morning News. Mark Kelly was on. This is Jamie 
pressing Mark Kelly about judges. Do we realistically have the immigration judges to do that? Not now, but we could hire them. I mean, that's but we've been saying that for how long? Yeah, you know, we've been saying it for a while, um, and 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 we we need to hire more immigration judges and have them at the border to make decisions about asylum claims more, you know, quickly. You know, beyond six months is not acceptable, or in some cases, this sometimes takes years. I don't know it's if not it... acceptable. And a lot of those people are not showing up for their hearings. And so we continue to have our conversations about this as if it's abstract and it's not. There are um, and it's who you focus on. If you are someone that's in favor of open borders, you'll look at everybody that crosses our border and call them a migrant. Everyone. And what that does is it waters down people that are coming here legally and it waters down people that are coming here with legitimate claims to asylum. So if you are an open borders person, that's how you change the narrative. If you are someone that believes we are a nation of laws and we want people to come here, then you look at it a little bit differently. And and I look at it differently. The people that look at America as a place of asylum, legitimate asylum under American laws, that shining city on the hill, those entitled to asylum here. And no one will answer this question. As a matter of fact, they ignore it every time I ask it on social media or otherwise. If you believe in open borders then you have to be able to answer this question. And maybe I'll disagree with your answer, but it deserves an answer. If statistically about 10% of the people that are coming into this country with these waves of people, about 10% of them are actually legitimately entitled to asylum under American laws, if that's the case, and that's the the statistics we know, what do you say to those 10%? Because they're waiting in long lines for days, they're sitting against the border fence being given food that's stolen from them from the cartels. They're being given blankets because they have nothing but the clothes on their back. They're waiting for days to be processed through the system. They are being given monitoring devices, ankle bracelets or otherwise, and waiting extended period of time, as you just heard, to wait and see a judge to plead their legitimate case for asylum. What do you say to them? You're in favor of the other 90 percent being able to come in and plead their case when they don't have a case. What do you say about the legitimate asylum seekers? Why aren't you focused on them? When you call everybody a migrant, what do you say to the people that did it the right way? You can complain about the system. I'll stand next to you and complain about the system, how long it takes, how hard it is. I will say to you, I think the immigration system needs to be streamlined to a certain extent. We need to make it easier for good people to come here. And we can do a multitude of things to make that happen. And we should. But what do you say to the people that have come to America legally? They have gone through the visa process. They have gone through the green card process. They have gone through the citizenship process. They've taken the tests. They've spent the money. They've passed the background checks. They've shown themselves to be contributors to America and proud Americans. And they're sworn in as American citizens. What do you say to them? What do you say to those people when there's groups and groups and groups of people now demanding the exact same treatment and being given the same treatment because they're lumped in and called migrants with everyone else? What do you say to the people that did it the right way? What you're saying to them is you're an idiot. Why'd you do that? Why not just do what everybody else did? Cross the border, make demands, scream and yell politically, get people on your side and get the exact same thing without going through the stuff you went through. That's what you're saying.
So if you look at it and you change your perspective, you can see why I am I am so in favor of legal immigration. I could spend and I'm going to I promise you in the new year, since it's going to be an election year, I am going to be bringing on voices of people that are immigrants from communist and socialist countries. I've got again, I've told the story before um, about about Michael, my my friend Michael, that owns a couple of restaurants here in town. He's one of my favorite American dream stories I've ever heard. One of the nicest, most giving people I've ever met came here from a communist country with nothing and built a life and gives to his community immensely. Uh, My friend Ariel, who is a barber here in town, came from Russia. Him and the people he came with could have waited or could have come earlier to a different country and left Russia. They waited to come to America. They wanted to be Americans. When you hear their stories, when you hear what they dealt with, where they were and why they're here now, it makes you proud to be an American. And I'm going to bring those stories on next year. This border conversation should not be Republican, Democrat. It shouldn't be right and left. It should be right and wrong. And it's time we shift the narrative. I won't let anybody control the narrative anymore, at least not here, not when I'm around. Coming up in just a moment, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Phoenix police officer critically injured. You're going to hear what his uncle says about the possibility of his recovery and what the family needs and wants. That's coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Um, Very, very difficult topic for me still, and it's going to be for quite a while. Um, Phoenix police officer Tyler Moldovan yesterday was injured, tragically and severely injured in the line of duty. And uh, the details that have come out about this... Um, as more and more have come out, as I've heard more behind the scenes of how this happened, it was brutal. It was senseless. It was unnecessary. Um, it was evil. Um, his uncle was talking to ABC 15 and they were talking about, uh, about this shooting and, uh, what we're, what we are hearing about this and what you've heard about this so far uh, is is heartbreaking. And his uncle talked to ABC 15 and describes a little bit of what happened and where they are and what they need. From my understanding, he unloaded an entire clip on him. Tyler's uncle, Peter Torniano. What I didn't know was that the situation was a lot worse than we all thought it was. Now we're at a point where I think only, only God can save us. You know, we believe that's possible, but it's not looking good right now. When you... Um... When you hear that, he uh, unloaded an entire magazine at this police officer. I'm going to give you a couple of details in a moment, but I want you to hear the prosecutor at the initial court appearance of uh, Essa Williams, who is the assailant here, a 24-year-old young man himself that ambushed this police officer. Mr. Williams is on video shooting the victim police officer multiple times. He continued to shoot the officer even after the officer was on the ground. So uh, the police officer didn't have his gun out. There was no need. They were just looking for a vehicle. Um, and it turns out there was a need. Uh, you know, There's so many different avenues to go with this. But I think the most important is to focus on what we're seeing here. Um, this is good versus evil. There's no other way to put this. This is a police officer that doesn't have his gun out. 
and a young man that's armed to the teeth that shouldn't have a gun. By the way, he is multiple times. He is a convicted felon. Multiple times he has been convicted for crimes using a deadly weapon. His criminal record, especially for a young guy, is brutal. It's vicious and it's long. And it all involves aggravated assault, aggravated robbery with all with a deadly weapon. All with a deadly weapon. So he confronts this police officer and just opens fire, opens fire and shooting and shooting. And there was no need for one shot, but just kept pulling the trigger. Um, and what ended up happening here is this family now is watching a young 22 year old man who decided to dedicate his life to public service fight for his life. Um. The timing couldn't be worse for this. How I, I, I'm I, I'm trying to I'm trying to measure my words because I don't want to say something that I'll regret later in my anger. Um, a couple of people over at the Arizona Republic printed this morning. They obviously have been working on this story for a long time. A Phoenix police officer was ambushed. And gunned down. And only by the grace of God is he still breathing at all. And the family even says it's it's going to be a long road if we're going to need a miracle for him to survive. So you know how critical those injuries are. Why two newsrooms 1700 miles apart teamed up to investigate unfair and unequal policing. And they've got protesters on the front page. I, I want you to I want you to think again. Turn anything on its head and you can see the absurdity, if there is any. Can you imagine a day after George Floyd was murdered in Minnesota, if the newspaper of record in that town had been working on a pro-police story and printed it on the front page or printed it the next day? Do you realize what would have happened to that newspaper and how they would have been seen as callous and heartless and so out of touch with reality? And it would have been terrible. And yet. Worked on the story. Today's the day it goes to print. You got a Phoenix police officer fighting for his life who didn't even pull his firearm and was gunned down so brutally that members of the Phoenix Police Department that are. Long-term, hardened, have seen everything officers were shaken by the brutality of this shooting. And you got the newspaper of record in this town the day after that shooting, while the family is begging for prayers to save the life of this young man, Prince's story, critical of the Phoenix Police Department. You know, I'm... Not out after people's jobs. I'm not looking to make anybody make anybody look bad. This is horrible. I am so angry at so many different things um, because that's part of the grieving process. And and I'm angry. I am angry that this happened to this young man. I'm angry that a family, you know, my brother was killed. So I think about his siblings and, and a family that was preparing to celebrate Christmas, a family that was preparing to celebrate the holidays. You've got parents at a hospital. You've got a wife at a hospital. You've got siblings at the hospital who are praying that he lives and also terrified at what kind of life he will have if he does. 
instead of celebrating Christmas around a Christmas tree, if they're lucky, they'll celebrate it in the hospital. If they're lucky. If not, they'll have a funeral for Christmas. It is heartbreaking. And for anybody, the the leadership at the Arizona Republic, to think that today was the day to print a story that you've been working on and you could hold for a couple of days or a week, to print a story about unfair policing and show protesters in that picture is heartless. And it shows you have absolutely no idea what the pulse of this community is. I think it's terrible. Um, Coming up in a moment, we are going to talk about the economy and a further review of what's happening. Are we going to see an easing of prices for people? And if not, why not? Next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, I appreciate you being with me. Uh, we got to talk about the economy, and uh, we just did an update a few moments ago about the Phoenix police officer seriously wounded, and uh, you just heard the update and the new breaking news that it has been confirmed that he is on life support. So uh, what we'll be seeing in the coming days, uh, you know, going down that road, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more in the next hour, so I don't want to take a lot of time because I'll get back into this entire conversation Um This is such a tragic feeling for a family of helplessness. There's sadness. There's loss. Even though he is not gone, there's loss. There's anger. There's frustration. uh, There's immense pride in the people that are reaching out and the job that he did and the, the honor of the way he has dedicated his life thus far. All of that is combined with an overall feeling of helplessness because there's nothing you can do but pray. And uh, I hope we keep that family in, in, in our minds. Um, it, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking to hear what's happening. Um, no, there will not be a dramatic drop in gas prices because of the oil reserve release. Uh, the administration will exchange 32 million barrels of oil and sell 18 million barrels under the Biden plan. That doesn't mean a dramatically lower prices at the pump. Um, country financial survey shows Americans concerned about inflation. U.S. retail sales rose modestly in November. November is the month where is officially the Christmas season kicking off and buying things. Modest uh, increase. Um, Group representing the top American producers predict supply chain crisis will be on the ballot in 2022. Um, uh, So uh, the different things that are happening out there in the world of finance is affecting what's happening to every American. And the American people are looking at this and are saying this is concerning. And what we are hearing from this administration is it's everybody else's fault but theirs. Does is there any I don't whatever I know there are a lot of people that disagree and they catch a little bit of the show and they and I appreciate it I'm saying this respectfully and then they shoot me a message to contradict or 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 you know something that I've said which I appreciate the debate I love it so let me pose a question to those that disagree with me here is there anyone here that disagrees with me basically on issues that thinks the timing of this is good the timing of this is terrible um. The Biden administration policies on economics, blaming the companies. Have you ever – and I'll, I'll, let me ask the question a different way, not just is it good. Has there ever been a time in your life when taxes has gone, have gone up on an industry or a business 
that prices didn't go up along with it. Have you do you ever remember that happening? The answer is it's never been that way. The idea and the blind followers in politics on both sides of the aisle make me crazy. The ability to disagree, I think, is something that matters. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm an anomaly. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm, I wanna, I'm trying to think of an example in my life. Um, I was a – I voted for Donald Trump twice. If you ran against Biden tomorrow, I'd vote for him a third time. I supported Donald Trump. I supported the policies of the administration. But I hated some of the things he said. And so I disagreed with him. Um, I will never back down from my relationship and my love for the late John McCain. Won't do it. I don't care what it does to my politics. I don't care what political insiders think of me. I don't care. John McCain was good to me. John McCain was honest with me. John McCain treated me um, like a colleague when I didn't deserve it. And I disagreed with John McCain on a lot of things. Those two guys hated each other. What Donald Trump said about John McCain was uncalled for. I like people that weren't captured. You know, there are three groups of people in this world, in our in our country, when it comes to veterans and the military, that are stand out and that are respected more. One is Medal of Honor recipients. Anyone who has the CMH, they are heroes in the military world. The code talkers. And we're very familiar with them here in Arizona. And lastly, POWs and MIAs. If you spent time as a POW, there is a time set aside for you. There is an honor set aside for you. And John McCain was a POW. And there are members within my political party who claim to be so pro-veteran and yet rip John McCain. I'm not part of it. I'm not going to be any part of it. And so I thought what the president said was horrible. But how many people out there come from broken homes? How many of you have come from a divorced parents? You love your parents, and sometimes you hate what they say about each other. You can't believe how much your dad hates your mom or how much your mom hates your dad, and it breaks your heart because you love them both. I thought what John McCain did with the thumbs-down vote was the wrong thing to do. I thought it was one of the few times I watched John McCain be selfish and do something for himself and not necessarily something that would have been better for everybody else, and I told him that. Um, and he disagreed with me in a way that I can't really repeat, but it was a fun conversation. My point is you can love someone, you can support someone, you can be friends with someone and hate something they do or say, or completely disagree with something they do or say. And the idea that you're going to follow this administration off a cliff because they say something that's absurd. And what when the Biden administration, first of all, when the Biden administration blames inflation on the meat companies, and there this is again, this is a narrative. You everything is a concern. You know in every administration there is a narrative. And this is the narrative because Biden said it and Jen Psaki said it. Well, they didn't come up with those ideas uniquely. It was part of a conversation. That it's these meat producers and these conglomerates that are dictating prices and taking advantage of you so they can raise prices right now. It's, it, it, it's, and so you demonize these people. Again, we talked about greed earlier. They call it greed from the meat companies. And I would say to you, I can make a really good case for greed. And that case is this. Why would you raise taxes? Because now you're taking more money from people. Businesses raise prices. Governments raise taxes. Why would you raise taxes on anyone right now trying to fight through COVID-19? Why would you fight? Why would you raise prices? Because that's what a tax is. It's what they pay. You're raising the price 
on businesses that are trying to survive during COVID-19. So where's the greed? Is it a company that says if the government raises my prices, I'm going to raise yours? Or is it the government that did it in the first place? How dare they talk about greed the way they do? It's not your money. You didn't earn that money. Those companies did. And when you use that phrase fair share, go out and take a look. I would love someday to talk about um, the percentage that I pay in taxes. And I'm not a super wealthy person. But you want to talk about these corporations being greedy because they're raising prices while the government's raising prices on the corporations that provide your food and provide jobs for people. Where's the greed? Where is the greed? In a moment, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, and it's a little bit of a jumping point. There is a new law being proposed in my old home state of Florida that I think is a great launching point to talk about this ridiculous idea of man-made climate change and how we are going to do better than nature. That's coming up next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Coming up just after 11 o'clock, we are going to talk about schools, uh, the, the, the race debate in schools, something that happened in Denver, Colorado, something that's happening right here in Arizona. And I think it's dividing us. It's destroying us. It's not helping. And again, I just want what's best for where I live. And I don't think that where the track we're on is. And I'll explain why with some real life um, examples coming up just after 11 o'clock. Um, so uh, very quickly, I like this idea of apologetics, of talking about what we believe, but why we believe it and having a conversation on issues versus politics. It's not just because I said so. It's not because Ronald Reagan said so. It's not because Donald Trump said so. It, it, it's why do we believe what we believe? And I'm going to talk about something very quickly. I grew up in southwest Florida. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, grew up in southwest Florida. And so I don't remember much about northeast Ohio, except the winters were absolutely brutal. Uh, Growing up, you know, being there as a little kid, the snow is crazy. And, uh, you know, Time Magazine used to talk. Remember those commercials with the Native American guy that was crying about pollution and um, the environmentalists back then were talking about a global freeze. And that was reality. And for those of you that aren't my age, I'm 54 years old. If you're 10, 15 years younger than me, you may not know what the heck I'm talking about. There was predictions of a global freezing that we were going to starve because there wasn't going to be a thaw. So we couldn't plant and grow crops and we were going to starve. We are going to have to build greenhouses across the world in order to feed the people. Um, And then I moved to Florida and that shifted. And so I went from the cold place that was going to freeze to the warm place that was going to burst into flames with then global warming. It wasn't global cooling. It was global warming. But there has always been activists in environmentalism. I'm an environmentalist. And I never became more of an environmentalist than when I moved here. The Everglades in Florida is where I spent a ton of my time, and it is one of the most beautiful places, creepy, scary, black water, beautiful. It is incredible. The diversity of wildlife that is there is insanely beautiful and at times very scary. Um, the beauty of Arizona and the, the diversity of, of the landscape is breathtaking. Um, I had the privilege of flying over Sedona one time. You think Sedona is beautiful when you're on the ground. You fly over Sedona. It is breathtaking. No one wants to preserve clean air and water and that kind of beauty than I do. So let me give you this story very quickly. 
Florida is proposing a 24-hour-a-day alligator hunting season. Right now, it's limited to nighttime. But there are so many alligators that they want to have a 24-hour cycle to be able to hunt them. When I was a kid, there were so few alligators that they were protected. Not endangered, but the next level down. They were a protected species. There became so many alligators. They were under your car. They were in people's swimming pools. They were, they were a nuisance, and they were a threat. They had open season on killing alligators because there had become so many of them. So the regulation backfired. So my point in all of this is they did the same thing to the Everglades. You, or, you know, they, the weir system that they put in and it drained the Everglades and it was all in the interest of controlling flooding. And, you know, the brilliant minds of the people knew more than nature and dried up the Everglades. And, and, and they've destroyed some of the most beautiful, um, you know, places for, uh, you know, rainforests and beauty and wildlife. And they did it all because they were smarter than Mother Nature. So, you know, the, the more we stay out of the way, the more nature a lot of times fixes itself. And so I grew up around this area where when I was a little kid, you couldn't kill an alligator, couldn't go near an alligator. Now there's open season because there's so many of them. So sometimes humanity sticking its nose in things is not necessarily a benefit. And when we think we know more than, than nature, when we think we know more than God, uh, we're messing around in some places, some we don't have any business being. So whether we're going to burst into flames because a hole in the ozone or we're going to freeze to death and we're going to starve, that's always been the narrative. And it's always been a political activist narrative. The common sense people that say, leave it cleaner than when you found it. Don't leave any footprints behind. Leave it nice for the next person. Don't disturb nature. You know, there's common sense that seems to be lost in this political debate over just taking care of the beauty that God created. And I wish there was more common sense in there because I think we all want the same thing. But this fight over who cares more because you want to put more restrictions or make people do things and it just doesn't work. Again, in the 11 o'clock hour, we're going to talk about um, uh, the race in schools and how it's dividing us. We're going to do Did You Hear This at 1120. And we've got another update on that Phoenix police officer who has been so brutally attacked and fighting for his life. There is an update on his condition. Uh, still alive, but an update on his condition. All that's coming up in the final hour of the show. I hope you can stick around for it because there should be a lot to talk about.